Welcome to class, everybody. Today, we are going to be talking about dreams. And I want everyone to do this with your fingers. Dreams. Dreams. <laughs> okay. So dreams are really fun. Dreams are pretty cool. Dreams are some interesting things that happen in our brains. And for you audio people, so we don't violate copyright, we're gonna hit pause real quick so that you don't uh, get this YouTube video, but we're gonna watch a Ted Ed video on YouTube called Why Do We Dream by Amy Adkins. So our theme scripture that we're gonna be kind of basing today's lesson off of is found in the book of Acts chapter two and verse 17. And in the ESV it says this, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Now you may be thinking to yourself, hmm, I've heard this somewhere else before. This is a reference to the book of Joel, chapter 2, and verse 28, when the original prophecy comes out. And so this is a reference when the early church is happening and things are popping and moving and shaking, kind of like uh, popcorn. You guys ever popped a bag of popcorn? And you never use the popcorn button, right? Because it doesn't cook it right. You always put like three and a half minutes and you just kind of play it by ear, pop, pop, pop. So a life hack, your popcorn is done as soon as the pops are two seconds apart. So you count one Mississippi, that. two, that's a rule of thumb. So next time you pop a bag of popcorn and it's pop, 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 pop. Then you start to hear pop, one Mississippi. Pop, okay, pop, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. Pop, pull it out, it's done. And that is how to get the best bag of popcorn. Hashtag life hack. Yeah. So uh, just like a bag of popcorn in the early church, I mean, things are happening. It is popping. What's popping? <laughs> And so they're reminded of this prophecy from thousands, well, hundreds of years before when God says, hey, in these last days, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. So we know that these visions and dreams are from the spirit of God. So we're going to talk about what that means. And a lot of people say, well, that's not true because uh, young men aren't supposed to dream dreams. They're only supposed to see visions. So a little bit of vocabulary here. When we read in the Bible, many times this like poetic form and how we translate it, God will say one thing, and to emphasize the point, He'll say it another way. So in the Old Testament, dreams are also defined as visions of the night. So when it says young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams, that means everybody going to have dreams. Can you say everybody? Everybody going to have dreams. Yeah. So, sweet dreams. I found this article on beliefnet.com, and I have a link here if you want to uh, go and read the rest of it. It's a really good article about the Bible and dreams and what it means. So I pulled this excerpt, and it says, God also uses dreams and visions to open our ears. We aren't always open to hearing God's voice because most of the time with our busy and hectic schedules, we close our ears and don't take time to feel the Holy Spirit tugging at our hearts. Now, I have never in my 30 years of existence on planet Earth, I've never heard the audible voice of God. Some people have that privilege, they have that experience, and they're like, and I heard God speak. Now, there have been a few times where I felt in my knower, you guys remember we talked about that at camp, where sometimes you know in your knower, and I've felt kind of an impression, like an idea, like a, hmm, this is what should happen, or hmm, I really shouldn't do this, or kind of that warning, or that idea that's been put there by the Holy Spirit. But I've never actually heard the voice of God. 
Sometimes in dreams, God will speak to us. I'm going to focus on Joseph, Jesus's, uh, I don't know if you'd call him stepdad or adoptive father, but his legal guardian here on earth, right? Because we know that Jesus was of God and Mary, not of Joseph, but he was chosen to be Jesus's dad and raise him up. And in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 1, he's thinking, man, Mary's pregnant. What am I going to do about this? Because it's not my baby. And that's kind of a big deal back then. And God speaks to him in a dream. Matthew 1, 20 and 21 says this, But as he, we're talking about Joseph, consider these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Now, we know at this point in time, historically, Jesus was not born on December 25th, but that's when we choose to celebrate his birth. And we call that holiday Christmas. Yeah, named after Christ, Jesus, who saved us from our sins. So Joseph was thinking to himself, man, what am I going to do about this? I've got a problem. Just like that video we saw, he slept on it. Hmm. Let me think about this. And God gave him instruction. Now, Jesus was born. We all know the story and the wise men and they came and the gifts and they brought them and Herod was like, I'm going to kill them all. And when Herod says that, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. There's actually four recorded instances in the book of Matthew where Joseph receives instructions in dreams. The angel said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. In fact, the Bible says that King Herod, in this whole entire area, think of like several Texas counties, killed all the baby boys that were two years old and under, just so he could get at Jesus. And here is what we're learning today. Dreams are of God. Not all dreams, okay? Joseph didn't like see a dancing falafel and a sheep that was playing the guitar and be like, wow, this must be from God, okay? Some dreams are just like we talked about in that scientific video, are just projections and our brain processing things and shuffling the deck of cards before we wake up, putting some things away in the memory stack, throwing some things out, yeah, we don't need that. But these are of God. And the way that it works, sometimes God uses dreams to instruct you. Sometimes God uses dreams to warn you. Let me tell you of a very significant dream that has affected my life. My dad, in the early 1990s, had a terrible accident. And you guys have heard his testimony. He wasn't living right. He was on his way to hell. And he was raised from the dead because of the faithful prayers of my mom and my sister. I was three years old. Before this happened, my mom had a dream. And in this dream, she was walking my sister and myself up to a casket. And inside that casket was my father. But instead of the traditional way where you walk up and the head is to the left and the feet and the rest of the closed casket are to the right, it was backwards. And for some reason, his head was to the right and his feet were to the left. And she didn't quite understand what that meant, the symbolic nature 
But she knew that he wasn't in a good place. She knew he wasn't serving God. He wasn't living right. And this dream, it warned her, he's about to die. And so because of that, three or four days ahead of time, she was able to pray. She was able to get her heart right. She was able to prepare because her faithful prayers were the force that allowed God to raise him from the dead when he was on his way to hell. He was not living right. But if she had disregarded this dream, if she'd have been like, oh, well, you know, it serves him right. Look what he's been doing. And he's just ruining everything. And he's not doing what he's supposed to. But as soon as she had this dream, she cried out to God and she said, Lord, please don't take him. Which we know God doesn't like kill people, kill people. But she was saying, God, please don't take him because I know what it's like to grow up without a father. When my mom was a little girl, her dad checked out and she never really had this relationship with him. And I, to this day, I've only seen him like two or three times in my life. He's already passed on. But she didn't have that father. And so, yeah, my dad, he wasn't where he was supposed to be, and he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, but she would rather have God had mercy on him so that we could have a dad. Now, as the story goes, he still had the accident. She was able to pray over him. My sister was able to pray over him. She stood on the Word of God where it said, You will live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And so he recovered. He's had a long path of rehab and some disability things that we still struggle with, but God was merciful. And he warned my mother in a dream. So the Bible defines dreams as visions, but just during the night when you're asleep. Some people have experienced visions during the day. Pastor Rosie's told us about several times when she's in prayer and she sees God gives her a vision into some things. And she's like, okay, now I know how to pray for these people. Now I know how to help these people. Or a warning like, okay, now I know how to uh, be careful with these people because God has warned me that they're trying to trick me or trap me or hurt me some way. But it's only available if we take heed. Now, here's the way that it works. We learned about all the scientific stuff and how the brain and the electrical stuff going on in your jelly bowl of a head work. But when we're asleep, our guard is down. When you're awake, you have your guard up and you don't tell people things. And if you're acting, you can act out some things. But when you're asleep, your guard is down. And the only thing working is your mind, not your body, not your physical senses, even though... If you're falling in a dream, it feels like you're falling. Have any of you guys ever twitch woke up? Yes. Oh, that's the worst. Or you're like, oh, I really have to use the restroom in your dream. And then you wake up and you're like, oh. If you use the restroom in your dream, you're actually using the restroom. I, I hope not. No, that's actually what happens. I've had a couple close calls. So the Bible actually talks about this. And it says in your vision or your dream, if you're hungry, you eat and you wake up and your hunger is not satisfied. Or in your dream, if you're thirsty and you drink, you wake up and your thirst is not satisfied. Because the Bible knows and it separates what happens in real life and what happens in dreams. Some people have deceived themselves so much that they think, well, I can kind of steer my dreams or control my dreams like Inception. There's this phenomenon called lucid dreaming where they try and get in a trance and control their dreams. And it's actually kind of dangerous because when you open yourself up to this thing where my mind is just kind of freely roaming, we know that the Bible says that Satan is the god of this world and he uses deception and trickery. Sometimes he'll try and attack us in dreams as well. Nightmares and different things where you wake up and you're so terrified and you have to remind yourself that it's just a dream. So when it's a nightmare, that's good that you remind yourself, oh, it's just a dream. Thank goodness. Especially when you wake up crying because something happened. It's like terrible. And it's like, oh, 
It's just a dream. Right, and that was a horrible dream, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, and you woke up, and you were able to pray for them. You were able to say, you know what, I'm going to pray protection over them, just check on them, see how they're doing. But at the same time, when we speak of dreams as like a long-term goal, if anyone's ever told you, what's your dream job? You guys ever heard that? What's your dream job? Right? Your long-term vision, your goal. Maybe you say, I want to be an anesthesiologist, or I want to be a, a veterinarian, or... You know, I want to be a business person or a nurse or a professional athlete. We have these dreams. And sometimes people will say, well, it's just a dream. But if God gives you this dream, then it's not just a dream. Some food for thought. Dreams are often constructed from the things that we think about a lot. You guys ever had a situation come up and you're thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it and then it makes its way into your dreams? Oh, sometimes that's the worst, right? You're like, I thought I was going to get a break from this sleeping, right? And here it is again, like, ah, why are you here in my dreams? Sometimes it's good, like, oh, that's cool. I was, my favorite thing in dreams is that gravity doesn't really work the same way. So I, can, I can't, like, fly like a superhero, but I can jump and kind of, like, float in my dreams. Yeah. So our dreams are a little bit different. And you eventually, if it's a very vivid dream, you can kind of tell, like, Okay, yeah, this is a dream. Okay, this isn't real. <laughs> I can't fly. Look at me. I'm not a super flyer hero guy. But I want you to think about this. If science tells us that what we think about makes its way into our dreams, and if doctors have figured out that there are many different reasons that we dream and ways that we could even interpret our dreams, then it makes sense that we should use God's advice and what we think about. Because if what you think about makes its way into your dreams, then if you are consistently down on yourself, if you think your situation's hopeless, if you think that you're powerless, that's going to show up in your dreams. Even if you come to church and you're like, Hi, brother. God bless you. I'm so blessed. I'm too blessed to be depressed and I'm not stressed and I'm believing for God's best. But then you go home and you're like, ah, ah, ah. Well, There's a prescription. I want you to look at this verse right here. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8. And it says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. So what's another word for rejoice? Hmm. Enjoy? Okay, enjoy something, whether it's a nice big batch of oranges. <laughs> rejoice is to celebrate. How do you feel when you're celebrating? Do you feel down? No. no. I was watching the uh, Big Ten Championship game last night, and Ohio State won again. And those guys were super happy. They had like these big 300-pound men doing confetti angels on the field because oh they did the confetti cannons, and they're like, ah, we won. So rejoice. That's happiness. Number five, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So reasonable, rational, sound mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. And I want you to think about this. The book of Philippians was written thousands of years ago. About 2,000 years ago, give or take. 
And in this prescription here, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he knows nothing at all about brain chemistry, about dream science, about the chemicals floating around in your body and how when you're stressed, cortisol leaks all over the place and it ruins your thinking and you get stuck on the problem. He knows nothing about that. But by the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, he writes these things down knowing that almost 2,000 years later, we, young people, bombarded by electronic messages about things and how the world perceives where we live, knowing we should do our best to be happy. Now, he doesn't say rejoice when things are going good. He says don't be anxious about anything. Now, we know that we have troubles. We know that things may not be going the way we wanted to at school or in our sports or with our family. He says do not be anxious. But in everything, prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Understanding is what we can process in our minds. If I were to ask Maddie, what is 2 plus 2? Maddie, what's your answer? 4. Right. If I were to ask Lily, what's the square root of 9? 3. Okay. If I were to ask Trinity what the molar mass of carbon is, would you know? 6. <laughs> well, the atomic number is 6. So you're very close. Very good. Atomic number of carbon is 6 with the protons and the neutrons. So there are things we don't understand, right? And when we're awake, all of our body and our senses try and get in the way. Like, well, I can't understand that. So I don't get it. I can't process it. Sometimes things happen to us and we just can't process. Like, I need some time to process this. Like, what? I was today years old when I found out whatever, right? You seen those memes? But the Apostle Paul, 2,000 years ago, says this. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Like you don't even understand why you have peace, but it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is kind of a prescription against anxiety, bless you, against depression, against anger, bless you, against bitterness. But verse 8 is what I really want to focus on. Because now that we know, hey, if we pray, God will watch over our minds, He'll watch over our hearts. And this is what we need to think about. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, that means righteous, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So the Bible knew, or the authors of the Bible had no idea where we were going to be in 2,000 years, but God created the body, He created the universe. And He knows if we can get our minds right, then we can get our dreams straight. Because if we meditate on fearful things, if we let our circumstances invade our minds, there's no escape, even in sleep. The Bible talks about torment and how the enemy is attacking the mind and attacking the mind and attacking the mind. And even Paul wrestled with some things. He's like, I have a messenger from Satan who's like a thorn in my side. And if you've ever had an injury or a sports injury, you know that you can't compete at the highest level if there's a problem or if your head's not in the game. You got to get you get your head in the game. Yeah. And this is a prescription for that. I want you to think about this verse, verse 8, throughout this week. Whatever's going on, whether it's crazy planning for the holidays, well, we went to your mom's last time. Why? Well, your dad's weird. I don't want to go over there for the holidays. <laughs> the holidays can be a stressful time. 
especially for a guy named Joseph who's looking forward to marrying this woman and then she's like, by the way, I'm pregnant and it's not yours. <gasps> but thankfully, as he was meditating, as he was thinking on these things, he was open to hearing God speak to him. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And the more that we think about these things, the better our mind is going to be. You get a failing grade on a test, and you're like, oh, your natural inclination is to think, I'm dumb. I'm going to fail. And then you kind of start to roll with that, and it picks up steam. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the school year, you're like, yep, I knew it. I saw this coming. And you can actually set yourself up for failure like that. Psychologically, it's called a self-fulfilling prophecy. That you will actually unconsciously do things to sabotage yourself. That's why people always say, envision yourself hitting that game-winning shot. Envision yourself. And so they kind of have a little bit of understanding, but they don't have the full supernatural understanding. But whenever people say, positive vibes only, and, and put that energy out into the universe, my guy. <laughs> They're just saying a whole lot of nothing. But if they really and truly understood what the Bible's telling us, they have a little bit of understanding, but not the full picture. And I want to encourage you guys, because God created your brains. He knows your chemistry. He knows what's going on in your life. Because we can all kind of put on our makeup and come to church and be like, I'm blessed, brother. Oh. And then you go home to your actual situation. And I want you to remember this. God gives you big dreams. Because all throughout Scripture, He speaks to people in dreams. He gives people visions. And He, when it's His Word, He backs that up. Because sometimes people say, well, you would never this, or you'll never be able to that, or, oh, keep dreaming, if you've heard somebody say that. And that literally means what God's placed in your heart, pff, that's never going to be reality. But you guys don't understand this. You, in your physical, I want you to take your left hand and touch your right hand. You're real, right? You're not a hologram. This kid this week gave me a sticker. He's like, Mr. Sixtos, did you know that birds aren't real? He's like spreading that around the school. Everyone has his stickers and it's like, birds aren't real, birds aren't real. Or we're all holograms, just weird stuff, right? But you are real. And I want you to think about this. Before you existed, you were God's dream. Isn't that weird? Like literally, is there anyone in here in this room that is older than 17? All of you are 17 or under, right? Before you exit, 20 years ago, when none of you were here, you were God's dream. A hundred years ago, when none of us were here, we were God's dream. At the inception of the universe, when God said, let there be, the universe was God's dream. And then He spoke it out, and it became so whenever we understand that we have creative power and God's given us dreams, then we need to speak what God is telling us to speak. We need to speak that God hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Because then you're beginning to plant that seed in your brain, and when you're asleep, it's going to keep on rolling. Your mind is going to say, you know what? We've been speaking this. We're going to believe it. When you are uncertain about your future, especially you juniors and seniors, and then you say to yourself, you know what? God knows the plans He has for me, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a future and a hope. Then when you're asleep, your brain's going to say, you know what? We've been speaking this. We've been thinking on these things. We're going to believe it. 
just like when you're a little bitty kid and you're all lumpy and your brain's all mushy <clears throat> and your parents say, mommy loves you, mommy loves you. Guess what? At two years old, you don't actually believe that mommy loves you yet. You're still learning. You're like, what? I have toes? <laughs> but because they say it and because you say it and you say, I love you, I love you, I love you. Then your brain, as it grows, says, you know what? We're going to believe this. It's the same thing with language. When I'm speaking to you right now in English, your brain says, okay, these words mean these things, and we accept that. If I were to speak to you today in Italian, your brain wouldn't know what to do with that. Be like, oh, that's weird. Hmm. Oh, spaghetti, I cut that one. It's me, Mario. So I need you, at your age, to begin to understand, you know what? Whenever something comes up, and it is contrary to the Word of God, we're not going to let that in. We're not going to believe that. We're not going to meditate on that. We're not going to allow that to change the dreams that God has given me. And on the other side of the coin, we need to continue to confess the words of God. Because when we align with the words of God, then we can align with the dreams of God. And what He has planned for us in the future that we don't even know yet, He's got this. Because if he had dreamed of you, of Trini, of Mallory, of Maddie, of Vince, of Lily, of Jasmine, of Serenity, before we even were breathed into existence, imagine what he has in store for your future. So the next time you have a bad dream, you wake up and you tell yourself, you know what? It's not real. It's just a dream. And the next time you have a good dream, you wake up and you're like, all right, brain, we got this. And the next time you have a God dream, you wake up and you write it down. And you say, you know what? I'm going to believe it. I'm going to act on it. I'm going to see it happen in my life. So we encourage you guys. Acts 2.17 says that young men and old men will have dreams and visions. And if it's of God, it can warn you. It can instruct you. And it can show you what He has planned for your future. And it's going to be Great. Thanks for listening in. We hope to see you back next week.